0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are in mark chapter six uh starting a new section Jesus just got finished with the what we'd say the the powerful miracles of of uh crossing the sea, calming the storm, and the disciples were afraid they he cast out the the legion of demons from the the man who then became very sane and in right mind and scared all the people and so these were powerful miracles that they saw. Uh, he came back to the land of Galilee, and there he healed uh, the lady on the way to Jairus's house and raised the dead girl. Again, a very powerful miracle. And this was, again, things that were taking place. Went over to the land of the Gentiles, came back to Capernaum. And on your notes, the first picture you have right there from the framework book is him crossing the sea, the storm, and then point four, that's when be, where Gergesa was. We looked at videos of that. Uh, Then he came back to Capernaum, and that's where we would assume he went to the synagogue ruler's house in Capernaum and healed the woman. From there today, he's going to travel down with his disciples. Uh, He's going to go to his hometown, Nazareth, Uh, and that would be the route that he would have went by, would have went by Gennesaret, Magnella, Tiberius, then crossed over to Nazareth, and then in Nazareth, I'm not sure if we talked about this before or looked at any pictures, but just to the south of Nazareth, it was a small town. Uh, some say 150 to 200 people at Jesus' day. Another commentator said 500. The first estimate, 150 to 200, was an actual historical book that was dealing with history. One of the commentators said 500. So nonetheless, it was a small, small village. Uh, it's going to say here in the story that he went and his kinsmen were there. And they talk about his, his family or kinsmen, which refers to his, you know, his brothers and sisters and his mother, but also his relatives were there. Uh, even we talk about him coming back from the uh, days of temptation up to Cana of Galilee for the wedding. It's right beside, you can see on one of the maps, uh, on the back page maybe, you know, Cana is right there near Nazareth. That may have been a family wedding. But nonetheless, um, the people of Cana, or, or Nazareth, may have been uh, from the family of David, descendants of David's family, and they would have settled there. Clearly, Jesus was, clearly Joseph was, and his family would have been of that uh, tribe. Uh, one of the commentators, a, or yeah, a couple of them made the comment. Uh, it's on the bottom of page 4. Jesus' kinsmen were descendants of David who may have settled here after returning from Babylonian exile. They would have gone to Babylon. They would have returned. They would not have returned as royalty. They would have returned merely as descendants of royalty. Uh, They would have had to be laborers, workers. They had to have careers, and they would have been just, you know, carpenters, workers, as they were. And they would have settled as a family, as you know, the remains of or part of the family of David. In Nazareth, And it's interesting that the name Nazareth itself may have been named that city by the people with, because it was promised uh, a promise of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 11, and verse 1 through 2. Is uh, It's little netzer, meaning offshoot from right out of Isaiah 11. Offshoot, which would be translated little netzer, which is where you could get Nazareth, uh, meaning the offshoot of David, that David's going to be a little offshoot or a little netzer from David, rise up and conquer and set up the uh, kingdom. And so they may have named the city that with knowing that that was their heritage and you know not knowing where it would have come from or how it would have worked, especially after the Babylonian captivity, them living in a little city, but that would be, nonetheless, Joseph and Jesus and then the family members would have been born in the shadow of that promise because they would have known their Uh, As we've talked about, the people of this time would have known their genealogy, what tribe they were from, Uh, or they would have lost contact with their tribe when Jerusalem burned in 586 and the records were destroyed. That's what we see in Ezra. Many of the people that came back to be priests couldn't provide documentation. They couldn't provide genealogical records showing they were a descendant of Aaron. And they would have had records going all the way back to Aaron proving all the generations I'm a descendant, and they could have stayed in the priesthood or stayed as a, as a Levite. And same way with these people. They would have had records going all the way back. So it's not a myth when you look in Matthew and you see the G- Jesus' genealogy or you see in Luke Jesus' genealogy. It's like, oh, they who made that up? They didn't make it up. They were documents uh, that they had recorded that were available. And they would have been kept in the temple, uh, especially the Vedic and uh, the priesthood. Uh, One of the things that just was discovered, and I haven't talked about it, and I've done just a little bit of reading about it, but a new inscription at the beginning of Hezekiah's tunnel. uh, You know, we talked about the one at the end, the Siloam inscription that was discovered, oh, I'm not sure when it was, in the late 1800s or something, and it was chipped out and taken up to constantinople and put in a museum with a- ancient hebrew inscription talking about the day that the two g- groups met cutting hezekiah's tunnel you can still see a hole there in the wall that was cut cut and they got got a, a facade you a facsimile a replica there hanging on the wall but on the other end of hezekiah's tunnel and um, they, they they've seen something there uh and I've never seen it. It's back before you have to go back towards the Geon Springs as you go down into the tunnel to see it, but it's like a, a, a plaque or carved out surface that seemed to be trimmed out for some inscription that was never finished, and so it's been there for ever since the, you know for you know since 700 BC, uh, and they've known it for the last you know 100 200 years, uh, it's 150 years, but. Recently, they've, they were able to look at it with certain lighting and certain you know, technology, and it's actually an inscription that is written there, uh, just, and it talks about the work that Hezekiah did, and it basically sounds like right out of the Bible. It sounds like the text right out of the Bible as if it were a, a, an official document, like it were some kind of court record that was in, cut there. But that would match then, when we look at the records in uh, second and first and second chronicles and all those records those would be court documents, not just someone sitting down writing thus and so happened, thus and so happened, but the records from the court recordings of what was taking place. this is the king of Israel, this is what he did, the king of Judah and what happened during his reign, and what talks about in in hezekiah's reign, part of that is inscription matches almost word for word, or very similar to what's in the Bible and what's on that inscription, which means this came from somewhere, probably a document, and the Bible captures that same document, which is something to look at, which is very interesting. But nonetheless, uh, Nazareth may be uh, named, right, like I said, named by the tribe of Judah that came back from Babylon, and that would be where his kinsmen were, and Jesus going back down to that town. Some things here, uh, on, while we're looking at bottom of page 4. Uh, sea of Galilee here. You've got Capernaum. They're going to come around the uh, uh, area here. Come turn at Tiberius. Come over to Nazareth. Oh, I was going to say, uh, Nazareth here. This is the Megiddo Valley right here. And as you go, it's a little town. Like we said, 100 to 200 people. Little village at that time. Tops 500, but it was a small. Uh, it's not recorded by any of the rabbi writings, it's not recorded by Josephus, it's not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament, it's, the only place it's mentioned is here, in the New Testament, when Jesus comes from there, and then afterwards, of course, there's mention of it, uh, it, it I mean, it's a real city, but it was so, well, that's why Nathaniel, is, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth, it's like, the Messiah, he's from Nazareth, it's like, Nazareth, what can I mean? It, it's it's nowhere. It's the backwaters of Galilee in the hill country. It's a small village. It's you, you think of your small small town, and then outside your small town, you you know they always have like those little startup towns that never really got anywhere. I know the couple little towns that Tony and I grew up in. There'd be our little town that we lived in with you know 600 to 900 people, but just like half a mile down the road, it'd be like three houses that has their own name for a town. It was a startup town that they got the name, but they never grow. And Nazareth would be similar to that. It just never went anywhere. They came back. They settled there. And that would be just for these generations where uh, uh, they, until the time of Christ, the, the tribe of Judah would have just lived there. Anyway, just as you go north of town or south of town, there's a steep drop off down into the Jezreel Valley. And if you read this story here, it doesn't, Mark doesn't mention it, but Luke does, where they took Jesus are going to push him off a cliff. And we have went there. It's a great drop-off. And they were just throwing them down. Not, not necessarily like, you know, ah, straight down, but just throwing them down a hill, tumble, tumble, tumble. And it would have, you know, been a, 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 not a straight fall, but definitely a fall uh, down into the valley. Uh, there was, uh, when we go there, to, to, like if you go there and look at Nazareth today, it's, it's there's a city, a, a Palestinian city. There's the church of uh, the... the uh, uh, annunciation the announcement to mary and it's a church over a, and there's been some excavation underneath it uh somewhat you know it may be connected to the house she lived in it's it's a real you know far long shot but there is some excavation underneath they're taking it back to those days and before of some uh, people living in that time and before in the city of nazareth so it's it's not much it's not much today it's not much of a city either kind of crowded and lot, a lot of traffic going through there. As we go through this, Cana would be up here where they went to the wedding. You see on your map, there's another city, Sephorus, which isn't mentioned in the Bible. It may not be important, but it may be about four miles north of here or an hour's walk, which uh, one of the herds, the King Philip, that was, you can see on one of the maps, he was in charge of this area and over here. He... Began to build that up as his capital city, and there's a lot of work being done during the the youth of of Christ, uh, and we we've been there a couple times. There's nice nice mosaic work that's been excavated. There's synagogues there that have been excavated. Roads, you know, Roman style roads that you know were built and still exist. You can walk on. Still have the trail or the the wheel ruts in them from the, the years of uh, carriages. Uh, wagons going up and down them Uh, but a lot of work uh, uh, stone work that would have had to been covered up with woodwork so when it talks about a carpenter we're going to see I think they got the word right there tecton tecton is the word for carpenter in the Greek world a carpenter would be uh, not looked highly upon it's like someone in the Greek world if you worked with your hands it's like come on You know, work, use your mind, you know, be a philosopher, you know, think your way through it. Uh, They were more into the, again, that was the Greek culture. The Jewish culture was not that way. To work with your hands uh, was honorable. In fact, when they came back from the Babylonian captivity, one of the things that was instilled in the people as they rebuilt their civilization after God's destruction and the captivity was, uh, and the rabbis taught this, that a father not to teach his son a skill is to teach him to be a criminal meaning what is your skill well i got a degree in you know whatever you know it, no 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 i mean what can you produce i mean it's it, and it's, it's interesting i mean we're almost at that point in our culture now i've got a degree in and he got all these degrees we see that in a, a syrian culture and 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 even in jewish culture and when we talk in the prophets uh, that they hand out all these titles and degrees. The end of a, f- a, a culture is everybody is now getting titles. You've got some, uh, and I heard someone say this, I don't, I just heard it talked on, on a talk show uh, there's an imbalance, uh, and again, I, I shouldn't say this without some kind of confirmation, and someone listening online can certainly confirm it, but the, the, there's a, this, I- even in the military today, there's becoming more and more officers, and we're needing recruits, but there's, we're not meeting this, the recruits. Well, Doc may know a little bit about this. Uh, you know, we got a lot of titles, a lot of officers, but we we're hurting for the actual, you know, hands-on military. And that, that's that's typical of the end of a culture. The Assyrians... Uh, the Kings were handing out titles. Everyone was a noble, but it 's like wait, 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 we need we need some tecton we need some people that can do something, can make something and uh this is going to come up tonight he's going to be referred to as the carpenter or the carpenter's son, the son of the carpenter, or the carpenter, and he would have been uh even some commentators you know in especially in the past through the ages would say well jesus never did any hard labor it would have been beneath him well that's actually the opposite in fact uh he's going to be a laborer and he's going to come home and he's going to be talking like like a philosopher he's going to be talking like a rabbi and it's like well you're you're a carpenter i mean if you're going to know all the languages and all the studies and be able to quote all the rabbis, like you know, when they said he taught with authority. When he was at Capernaum, it meant he didn't. He didn't quote, and a good rabbi would be able to t- present a lot of footnotes. When you're gonna, here's the lesson: Rabbi so and so says this, and Rabbi so and says says this, and here's the application: the Rabbi so and so says is the app. And they'd quote all these sources, which gave them credibility because these are the great rabbis. Jesus walked up with no footnotes. He's just, like, talking, and it's like, he's speaking, like, with authority. He's not saying, Rabbi so-and-so, Rabbi so-and-so. He's just saying, I say to you. And it's like, that's good stuff. He's, like, citing himself as the source. And that's what it means He's he taught with authority. Well, now he's going to come down to the hometown, and he's going to do the same thing. And you're going to see they're, they're amazed, but they're going to end up being offended. It's like, this is impressive, but... you you're way above your pay grade. I mean, you're playing out of your league. You're, aren't you a carpenter? Aren't you working with your... Now, there was nothing wrong with being a tecton, but if you're spending all your day, work, uh, as a, and a tecton would be anything that you're working with like a hard material, like wood, stone, uh, something, you're, you're creating something. And so this could be a, a stone mason. When it says carpenter, it's an English word we translated carpenter, and the same thing in Zachariah he talks about the the horn cutters the carpenters that cut the horns it 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 meant a a someone that worked with material it would be a laborer that's a a construction worker uh and you know in this case he could be driving a, a forklift he could be you know having a cement truck working with concrete working with stone at the modern application. So he is basically a construction worker, maybe a trim carpenter. We all think of wood, you know, because we're used to hearing carpenter. We think of he's making farming equipment which that would fit. He's putting the like they'd make th- their buildings out of stone, but we make our buildings out of, you know, my house made out of two by fours, but you don't see the two by fours. You see the sheetrock and the wood paneling. Well they make their houses out of stone. But they wouldn't live in stone. They'd walk through it. It'd be unfinished. They'd cover it with paneling or wood, and that's why, you know, like when the temple, the same way they, they would burn because the wood's burning. So Jesus, yeah, could have been a trim carpenter, made furniture, uh, boats. You know, they, they, a carpenter, a, a tecton would make boats. That boat, that Jesus boat, that they, they discovered. They, they as they examined, they found it'd been repaired many times. So theoretically, highly unlikely jesus the tecton may have had that boat brought into his shop to be repaired and may have patched the boat up and put it back out you know probably not but that would be something that boat comes from the time of jesus and a tecton along with the time of jesus would have fixed that boat and he would have been a craftsman a tecton or jesus since the forest is being built joseph may have made that went up here and worked during the week Jesus, his brothers, may have gone up to Sepphoris and, and worked, like I said, we've been there. You can go see that city, the remains of it. It's a glorious city. It was being paid for by the Herods to have this as, a, as one of the royal cities. And some of that work may have been done in the stonework or the woodwork. Uh, but the image there is two things. Jesus has not spent a lifetime with the rabbis. Like Paul was trained by, from a young age, maybe 12 was left down in Jerusalem with Gamiel, and was trained, and he could quote Rabbi so-and-so, Rabbi, he was trained in all, and he was beyond, he was one of the best students, as you know. Now Paul would have looked down on a tecton, walking up to him and saying, well, let me explain, you haven't quite got that right. It's like, you've spent your whole life building the city of Sephorus or patching boats, or making furniture or trimming out people's homes and now you come to me and explain the law it's like i've been studying the law in all the languages since i was 12 under gamiel who's your teacher uh, i've been busy working and so it it doesn't match there's going to be a tension right here where he may impress the people of capernaum he may impress you know and intimidate the demons but he comes home to the tribe of david to his kinsman, and uh, he starts teaching in the synagogue, and that's where he's going to end up, teaching in the synagogue. And remember, the synagogue leader was not like the pastor. You'd have a synagogue ruler or a synagogue leader. He would be in charge of the synagogue. He would be in charge of maintenance. Uh, he'd be in charge of organizing the service, you know, what, what's going to go where, everything's here. And he'd be in charge of finding a speaker who's going to read the scripture. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, like a, at a Catholic church, when someone reads, there's a reader. What's you know? I know there's a term for it. You know, they're like and then the, yeah, but they step up and they they do the reading. You know, I, okay, there's a term for it, and I, I used to remember it. But you know, they'd have someone read the scripture, maybe have someone speak, uh, and I suppose the rabbi, or excuse me, the and the the, the uh, and I said, Rabbi, and I shouldn't, because the leader of the synagogue would not be a rabbi. He would not be a trained professional. He would not be in the cult of the clergy. He would be a just a a guy, an elder in the city, maybe a tecton, but he'd be in charge of this facility. Uh, and that'd be one of his jobs, maybe his main job, have others, you know, elders with him. And he could speak, but he could have somebody else. Jesus is going to show up in Nazareth and is going to be because his hometown asked to speak, and when he speaks, they're going to expect, you know, your 12-minute, you know, sermonette. You know what we would expect. I remember the first time I was asked to speak at a brethren church. I Ended up being the pastor. Uh, they their pastor was in the hospital. This was 1993. I just got back from Tulsa a year before, so I'd been on a year sabbatical, recovering from the Tulsa experience, and uh, had decided I was done with this whole teaching christian preaching i still was a christian but it's like i was done with that it was no more going to get in the craziness of church and i uh, just going to live my good christian life and so on uh, the pastors in the hospital this, this particular brother in church and uh, someone had stopped by and talked to tony and said hey uh would the coach like to speak at church on sunday morning do the message not knowing what they're getting into uh, thinking I was the coach. I mean, what what can, what harm can a coach do? He's going to say, life is like a game. You know, so you got to pass the ball, play as a team. All right, let's get out there and go. What a nice Christian message. What a nice Christian coach. Uh, and so uh, Tony said, well, he'll have to ask him. He either will or he won't. And at that point, I won't. But then I realized I probably should. So I did, and I did you know, I wasn't going out there, there's a coach. I was going out there, there's a Bible teacher. So open your Bibles to First Peter. I'm going to show you something about the importance of the word. And I got the, the look you give me right now. Everybody's just like, <laughs> it's like, open your Bible. It's like, no one had a Bible. I mean, isn't life like a bog? You know, like, come on, coach. And I then talked for 45 minutes, exegeting through chapter 1 of First Peter. And they're like, you know, not that I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm just saying, you know they're expecting your typical synagogue message, and Jesus the Word of truth, walks in and impresses them, but they're like no they're not they're not impressed they're offended and uh you're going to see that come up here uh now the people that I did that they 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 appreciated in fact, they called me that night and asked if I would be the youth pastor now it's an old, old church i mean everybody there was i mean we are by far the youth group, me and Tony at 33. And uh, and I thought, what youth? Because the only youth would have been the six kids we took out there. I think we had five at the time, maybe four. And uh, But they, they offered me money. And as a family man needing money, sure, I'll be the youth pastor. So I did become the youth pastor for filthy lucre. Because uh, you'll pay me $75 a week to be the youth pastor. I'll come out and have a youth group. And so we did that. Then... That led in the fact that the pastor was leaving. And, and so I thought, well, heck, let's just see how far I can play this. I said, I'll, I'll apply for the pastor job. Well, I had to get triune immersed, like the brethren dunked in the water three times, to be a true believer. So it's like, and then I get the job? It's like, if you try immersed, I get, got dunked in the water three times, fully immersed, and now as a brethren. And then I pastored the church for seven years. And so anyway, nonetheless, that's a personal story. It has nothing to do with this story, ex- <laughs> except they they are calling the coach to preach and they didn't get a coach's message they got what i you know i did my best going through first peter chapter one well they're going to ask the tecton to preach and they're going to get in this case the messiah and it's like that is not what we were expecting uh no correlation between his experience and my story i just so don't, don't 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 read more into that than what i'm saying Okay, so here we go. Chapter 6. I was going somewhere with that. Did I say what I was going to say? Oh, (laughs) stonemason. Uh, One, that they're expecting a a, a carpenter, a tecton, a a construction worker, but also, uh, that's the kind of man Jesus was. I mean, some of the Western ideology or thinking about Jesus uh, has he's totally been feminized. I mean, he's just a, a passive, femi type of guy that anyone can relate to it's like the guy was possibly a stonemason he was definitely a construction worker and he was 30 years old and he would definitely been working since he was 12 13 14 you know he didn't wait until he you know was out of high school out of college to have his first job he was working as a young teenager with his father in the construction business so if he's 30 he may have been on his easily on his 15th year of construction work um when he came into, into the ministry. So he's not like a wimp. He's not a femmy guy. He's what we would say, I'd like to say, a man's man. And of course, in our culture now, that's too much testosterone. It's completely offensive. And yeah, well, anyway. Here we go. Chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there, again, Capernaum, and went to his hometown, Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. So his disciples are, are traveling with him. When the Sabbath came there in Nazareth, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They, they went to the synagogue, and of course the synagogue ruler had, had the yard mowed, the flowers were arranged, he had the speaker, you know, Jesus was going to speak, everything was taken care of, and Jesus stepped up and, and he speaks, and the hometown is amazed at Jesus. And here it is, right here where did this man get these things where, where where did he get the he's saying things where did he get them he he hasn't gone to jerusalem and trained with the scribes uh he's not been anywhere he's from here i mean remember G- jesus it would be this would be his possibly we say his third third tour i think i've got that written on here the third tour of Galilee had the first tour in Capernaum when they first had the synagogue went through the city of Capernaum came back Uh, they had a second tour and now they came back to Capernaum went across and they came back here and now this is going to be the third tour of of Galilee and he's in his second year of ministry so you go two years before this he was still a a tecton it's not like he's been gone you know when he was a little boy I remember Jesus you know 20 years ago and he was just a high school kid you know, they remember Jesus 24 months ago when he disappeared into the wilderness. So it's like, you know, definitely three years ago, he was still probably in the business. And now he comes back and he's talking like like a rabbi. He's talking beyond a rabbi. It's like, where did he get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles? Now, he has done no miracles here that they've recorded. But after two years of you know your tours of galilee the definitely the reputation has preceded him in fact his family had gone up to nazareth to get him because they thought he's out of his mind he's talking to demons he's going to get him he's weighing over his head he's going to get in trouble with the pharisees and the rabbis down in jerusalem this could end up very bad for so they went to get him so they'd heard about the miracles. so they've heard about it. they haven't seen any as far as this story goes but they have so they're evaluating him where does he get these things what's this wisdom that has been given to him that he even does miracles so the wisdom along with the miracles is like it's he does he's got this wisdom that's been given to him even the place that he's doing miracles so it's almost like this supernatural wisdom that borders on the edge of where he gets his ability to do miracles so it's not just natural wisdom it's like this is beyond natural so they're impressed and now here he goes isn't this the carpenter isn't this the tecton? Isn't this the construction worker? That—that's—that's that's you know, It's not like, oh, the carpenter Jesus. Oh, yes, holy carpentry. It's like, no, this, he, where does he get this wisdom? He does miracles. Where did he get these things? Isn't this, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't, he, isn't this the construction guy that used to pour concrete in our driveways? And now he's talking like this. Again, a little bit of modern application there. Now watch this. This is interesting. Isn't this Mary's son, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Let's go back and look at that. Isn't this Mary's son? Now, the first thing that's interesting, that's notable, is that's not normally the way you refer to a son by the mom's name. Although, you go back to uh, David's cousins, the sons of Zariah. Joab and a- a- Anner and, and, and uh, Joab, I forget the all, there's three sons, I forget the name, but they kept being referred to as Zariah's sons. Uh, obviously, normally you'd be referred to as uh, the son of your father. So if something has happened, some slam this as, you know, no one knew who J- Jesus' dad was, uh, but I think it's pretty clear his father's name is Joseph in the scriptures, and at other places, they're going to refer to him as the son of a carpenter. What is interesting about this is a couple things. One is Joseph may have died several years before, making this that in the last several years, these kids have grown up with just their mom, meaning Joseph is such a distant memory that they no longer refer to him as Joseph's sons or Joseph's children. They're Mary's kids because Joseph has been gone so long. Which kind of gives you, again. that's not absolute, but kind of gives you time. When did Joseph's, first of all, is Joseph dead? It would appear, yes, here's a good verse, Joseph no longer is alive, because otherwise they'd say Joseph would be there. Joseph and Mary were there, or Joseph went to get his son and bring him home. Nothing's mentioned about Joseph except in the nativity story. And then the fact that they say Mary's son may indicate that he's been dead long enough that they know, know of him, but he's really lost any kind of connection with the family because it's been 5, 10, 15 years. Again, that's speculation. The other thing that could be taking place here, it could be an insult, Mary's son. Meaning, it, it, they're not even mentioning the father, they're, they're bringing him down. Mary's, I don't think that's the case. I think the case is Joseph's been gone, and Mary is now, uh, in a sense, the head of the house with jesus her number one oldest son being the head of the house so jesus for many years this is also interesting because they well, jesus never got married jesus never had a family well imagine if joseph died when jesus was 12 13 14 15 15 be a good age joseph would instantly move into the role of the father the head of the house indeed he was never married but indeed, he was responsible for the brothers, the mom, the house, the family business, whatever they had. Uh, so Jesus had what we'd say family experience, not just being a son, but in this case, being the leader of a house or the head of the house, which is interesting to you know just kind of put in your mind and think about that. Also, we we mentioned this as we go. Uh, he 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 on the cross he gives john responsibility for his mother and his mother he says is you know your son john which shows us two things that he had responsibility for mary all the way up to the point of his death he didn't tell mom one day mom i'm going to the ministry i've got to follow god i'm on you're on your own it's like if that would have happened in nazareth in you know 28 a.d two years before this day uh jesus would not have said at the cross Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Because he would have said that before he went into the ministry. Which gives the impression also Jesus during his entire ministry not just would have been helping, possibly in charge of the family for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, possibly. That even during his ministry, he's responsible for his mother. His mother was being provided for by his oversight. Not necessarily his own labor but he was still overseeing and was responsible for her until he gave her the responsibility to john why didn't he give the responsibility to james or jude or joseph or simon would be well possibly because they're not believers at the time of the cross because otherwise james would have been a good candidate he given to john so james of course becomes a believer just a few hours after the crucifixion or a few days okay so mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Now, that word brother is a Delphos. We talked about that in church yesterday. Delphos, it means a male sibling. Uh, and so, oh, yeah, but that can mean cousin. Well, the problem with cousin, and we could go to Colossians and look up the verse where Paul uses the Greek word for cousin when he says, talks about Barnabas being the cousin of Timothy and Timothy being Barnabas' cousin. And that's the, that, well, I've got it written down here on the back of the page. Uh, Greek word bottom line Greek word for cousin is, anepsioi, anepsioi, which means cousin and that's what Paul uses to refer to and it means cousin it means what we'd say a cousin is and it's not the word for brothers now if you go into some other languages uh, you you may not have a word for cousin but the Greek that Mark is using definitely has a delphoi and then this word. A for cousin. So if Mark means cousin, there's a word in the Greek available that was used by Paul that he could say cousin. So that whole argument that, well, Mary was a virgin her whole life, and these are Joseph's sons from his first wife, uh, that really stretches the whole point. That would mean they're all older than Jesus, right? because they're all these are his older three four brothers and his older sisters and Jesus is the young kid and he's got all these older and it's what that that you can play that if you want to but that doesn't match the storyline or uh uh that they were they were uh uh they were not related. Really, they were not his br- brothers or stepbrothers but they're just relatives from the city of Nazareth they're just cousins well, you can say that, but that's not what the Greek is saying. That's not the text. The text is saying these are Mary's children, and they're younger than Jesus, that he appears to be the oldest son. And you can do whatever you want to, but those are some major hurdles if you're going to stay with the text. Now, the names, interesting. James you know, writes the book of James. Uh, Joseph. Uh, Judas, which would be Jude, who writes the book of jude and simon and then you've got to admire mary i know jesus was the son of god where does he get this authority he is the son of god he is god manifest in flesh he is the word in flesh yes be impressed with the words of his mouth but at the same time he was the hypostatic union he was God, but he was also a man. He had to grow up. Someone had to teach him how to talk. Uh, he had to learn language. He would have picked up a dialect. He would have picked up, uh, even if it's true or not in this writing that from the ancient world, uh, it would have to be true if it's a natural situation that James, his brother, James's gait, his walk, was similar to Jesus' gait is his walk now that's from an ancient writing that they just tell stories now i don't know if that's true or not but if they were brothers it would be true because they're gonna they're from the same mother they're they're related uh then they grew up in the same household they would have similar if if their dad joseph had certain habits they would have been picked up if you know using their hands or you know they would say well you're talking about the son of god yeah but the son of god became a man and grew up as a man uh and so they would have some similarities now we can push off jesus' wisdom uh and speaking because he's the son of god say so, well that's that's divine right but we're reading the book of james on sundays and the book of jude is right there in the bible also so mary's got three boys right here that are great writers great communicators great leaders and you can't say well jude and and james they're they're just guys i mean they just they've got a natural dad and a natural mom they just have to grow up in a house that the son of god is growing up in so some credit has to be given to mary and joseph for Training and teaching and communicating, and getting the place that all three—Jesus, obviously the Son of God, James, and Jude—could write letters that would end up in the text of Scripture. I mean, it's you know, that's a fairly good record, and that's you know, God working in their lives, but also good parenting, good family. James and Joseph, their names are names of 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 uh, like James is like we said, jo- Jacobus, in the book of James, in, in, in Jacobus. Becomes Jacob, or if it goes into Latin, it becomes James as it goes from Hebrew to Latin to English. The Hebrew directly to English is Jacob, the Hebrew to Latin becomes James. So when it says James and Joseph, that would be Jacob and Joseph, which are two of the patriarchs, and Judas and Simon are two names. Of the sons of the Maccabees. Judas Maccabeus was the leader, and Simon would be his brother there with Mattathias, the old man who started the revolt at Modin. Uh, he, he's the one who started the revolt, and then his oldest son, Judas, and then he had other sons. Simon is one of them. They were the ones who fought the Maccabean War. So these sons are named. You got Jesus, who the angel gave the name of, you know, I mean, with, with salvation. But their other sons are named after patriarchs. And two of them, two of Jesus' brothers, are named after the heroes of the Maccabean Wars, which is, again, just ponder that. It's like they gave him nice little pacifist names. No, they named him Judas after Judas Maccabeus, which was known as Maccabeus. It's the word hammer because he struck back at the Syrians, the solution with such force. It was like a hammer. And then his brother, Simon, who was fighting in battles and he ended up starting again the royal line of the hasmoneans so that's the names two patriarchs two sons of the maccabees and then aren't his sisters here with us now it would be likely when it says there's sisters here with us that they would have been married already and they're here in the community with us with their husbands and their families and they took offense them so basically what's saying right here i know i talked a lot where did this man get all these things that he's saying and, and what is this wisdom that has been given to him? Given to him, that he even does miracles. Something strange is about this man. He's he's a carpenter. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't Mary's son? Uh, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And basically, what they're saying, he isn't he from us, this little community and it, it, how you ever want to play that out something is being said about he can't do these he's not this guy something else is going on here we're here in nazareth we're from a place that's nowhere we do this we're tectons we work we live we do these things and he is like coming in here with some lofty language doing miracles and it's not like, you go, boy, you go. You put our name on the map. You know, Jesus, he's from Nazareth. They're like, they're offended, which is interesting because, you know, you think the hometown would be proud of the boy. But the hometown right here, when he speaks to them, they had to be offended. Offended at his success? I mean, if a, if a kid from your hometown goes uh, to the NBA, I mean, everybody's watching the game. You're not offended. But if the small town boy becomes a, a psychiatrist, a therapist, and then comes by and explains, here's what's really happening. Here's the problems that we are facing. It's like, well, you come, you're a carpenter. You come walking back in your hometown and start telling us the way it's supposed to be. You see, if you're in the NBA, it's like, yeah, you go, boy, you make us look good. But you come by the hometown and you start using all this wisdom. This stuff is awesome. This is incredible, but just like everybody, what are they going to have to do? We got to change. Where do, you, where do you come walking in here telling us how we should be living? So uh, it was typical, that typical idea, the light was shining. If he just came in with some secular, hey, he's popular, here's the fanfare, here's the, the boys, his disciples, here's the band, here's the smoke machine, you know, here's his, some little advert, here's some flyers. It's like everybody's watching the Jesus show. It's like, okay, yeah, all right, we like this. You bring, you bring in some darkness into the darkness, but you come walking in with the light and shine the light right in their faces. It's like, where, wait, 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 where do you get this light from? I mean, you come in here telling us. The way things are going to be and I think that's probably what was taking place. He was saying amazing things. They said this is amazing Where did he learn these things? Where did he get these things this wisdom? It comes from somewhere else like where the miracles come from and It was too bright for him and they took offense we, we don't want any of this. And I think they needed to change just like everybody. They needed to see more than the carpenter. They needed to see more than the son of Mary. They needed to do more than compare. Well, he's just one of the boys. There's, there's five boys. There's James, there's Jude, there's Simon, there's Joseph, there's Jesus. And now he comes in. Our, his brothers are just sitting right. He's talking to his brothers as much as he's talking to us. Where's he come from? Where, where's this coming? And so if you read on, and in, in, in we're not going to go there because it's not my, I'm trying to avoid that. Uh, but you go there. they They took him out to push him off a cliff it's like you don't talk to us like that jesus said to them and here's a little proverb. it was a a a uh, a common this was a common saying around you know in the ancient world if it be the greeks or the jews uh jesus said to them only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor meaning in his home he, he can go anywhere but a prophet of God comes to his hometown, uh, they're going to they're gonna feel the heat and not accept him like the world may be looking for an answer. Uh, this is interesting. Again, this, we'll, we'll mention this just a little bit. He could n- not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. They're amazed at his wisdom and the things he knew He's amazed at their refusal. You would think if the hometown boy comes home to his own family, his own people, they'll be like, we've heard good things about you. Tell us these good things. We want to be part of this. And they, they were, we, we will not believe you. They refuse to believe. And so they were amazed. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now let's look at this again. He could not do any miracles there, or only a few because he laid his hands on. And now this comes to... You know, how is Jesus, and this is a whole, This would be a whole theological category, how is Jesus doing miracles? Um, and again, here's some ideas. One, he's doing miracles because he's the Son of God. So, uh, if he, the Son of God came to earth and there were sick people, I would think the Son of God would just say, everyone in the earth, be healed, and everyone would be healed. And that solves that problem. But he didn't do that. But he did, at times, heal people because he was the Son of God. Because he used it. he says, he gave seven, in John, he gives seven reasons why you should believe, because of Moses, because of, of the testimony of John, because of the works that I do. I mean, why would you not believe? I'm doing things that only God can do. You know, even that, be forgiven of your sins. Well, only God can forgive sins. Right, so stand up and walk. So, I am God. This is, who can, only God can make this man walk. Right, well, walk. No, I just forgave sins. like, any question i'm god so he did miracles because he's a son of god then he also does miracles because of the spirit of god on a man or in this case on the messiah because the spirit of god was working through him the spirit of god would heal people we see the woman now jesus didn't do anything with the woman he is walking through a crowd of people and the woman herself initiates it and says if i only touch his garment I'll be healed, and Jesus, being God, knows everything, but being human, was just walking the crowd, and all of a sudden, like, who touched me, and you know, we read that, it's like, well, and these disciples were like, what do you mean, who touched you, I mean, the paparazzi are all over you, and it's like, no, someone, I felt power, and it's like, ah, and then he sees her, and of course, she was afraid, the disciples were afraid on the boat, the people in Gergesha were afraid over there. Now the woman's afraid. And then he goes and raises the dead girl. Now they're afraid. Everybody's just scared of Jesus, like, a, like some kind of a spooky movie. Okay, so faith, the, the, okay, could we say this? The woman was healed, not because Jesus was the Son of God, although he was, not because the Spirit of God moved through Jesus, but because the woman had faith in God that if she touched Jesus' garment, because Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And he says that other places. And then, uh, so in this case right here, it says, uh, he could not do any miracles there. And when it says, and then he says, he was amazed at their lack of faith. That would be this right here. He came and they would not believe him. So it's like, anybody believing God today? And no, we, we, we're wondering why you're here telling us how we're supposed to live. We are, we're offended by you. Okay, so no one's got any faith? No. But only if he touched a few people, and that would be here or here, because he's God, I'm going to heal this person, and I'm, as God, going to choose to heal this person. Not because of your faith, I'm just going to heal them. Does that make sense? Is that kind of a fair breakdown? Because it's like, clearly, the woman's faith, and he didn't heal it. These people had no faith, but yet he healed somebody. Why? Well, because I think he willed it, he did it. Now, that's just one way of looking at that. Um, he could not do any miracles there because of their faith, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So he healed them, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. In other words here, let me show you a few things. Look, see, see, see. Anybody else have faith? No. One more. No. Okay, I'm amazed. I mean, you hear the teaching, you heard the stories. And now you see some healing, and you're still, you're still offended that I'm telling you the way it is. Okay, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to... Okay, so then that's on your map right here on the first page. We come down the coast right here, come past uh, from Tiberias, go past Mount Tabor, Nazareth, and then he goes back up and goes through the cities of, of Galilee again. That's his third tour. And he calls his disciples... Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village in Galilee. So he's been up in Galilee basically for two years going through the villages. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Now, rabbis would have disciples, but rabbis would allow disciples to uh, apply. We'd like to be a, a disciple of you, Rabbi so-and-so. And then he'd go through the application, and he'd choose the the select few students that would be his disciples. Jesus uh, went out and says, you, you too, yeah, come here. I'm going to make you fish as a man. He chose his disciples. They're like, what? And they, they came. They didn't, I'm a fisherman. I'm a tax collector. No, come here. I'm going to make you fishers as a man. So Jesus chose his disciples rabbis their disciples would uh, apply then here just like this calling the 12 to him he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits now this is really the issue the the authority this is the, the jesus whole ministry is the authority of god has come to earth over We'll just say over Satan, over evil spirits, over demons, over the, the forces that are fighting against God. Jesus has come, and he's over the authority. And there's not a thing they can do to stop him. And he comes into the synagogue. They cry, what are you doing here? You've come before your time. And, uh, don't make it, don't send us to the abyss. And he, ca- he casts out the demon. And he doesn't use action, he just, with the word, come out. He just commands them because his authority, because Jesus has authority because jesus is the son of god and he has authority over satan satan can come against him but when it comes push comes to shove jesus has come to earth and has authority and now something amazing happens he takes these 12 guys that he chose and he takes this authority and says hey you guys you take the authority you take my authority and you go out and you start doing it now that is also interesting because a rabbi would have this tight collection of you know his his stuff and he would teach them and it would be you know his extension right here jesus just hands it to them and now this is huge because these guys now are ready two years of training under jesus They've got great understanding. They've got great faith. They they clearly understand the ministry that Jesus is, is about. And so I think you've graduated. I think you're ready. I'm going to now give you my authority to go out and do my work. Now, I was being facetious there. Do you think the disciples now have reached the pinnacle of understanding, of discipleship? They're, they, they're showing good, Christ-like character. And from here on, they're going to be walking in the wisdom of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God, with an understanding of Jesus' ministry. And so it's like, I think you're ready. I will give you the gift. I will give you the authority. Uh, Well, first of all, one of these 12 is Judas. Okay, just keep that in mind, okay? That's stretching the point. Uh, These disciples are going to continually and continue to argue with each other, try to get a higher position in the kingdom than each other. They're going to correct Jesus because he really doesn't understand his mission. Uh, They're going to do a variety. They have a lot to learn. In fact, they're going to be learning throughout their life. Peter will eventually, at some point, uh, in the Antioch situation, be called out in front of the congregation by Paul for having fallen back into the Jewish law after having come out of it and gone to Cornelius' house and had brought the Spirit and the Word of God to the Gentiles without the law, Peter goes back to the law and is called out by Paul. And so Peter's going to have to be corrected several years later by Paul, who at this time is down in Jerusalem being trained by Gamaliel. if you understand what I'm saying here. And so but the whole point, without belaboring that any longer, these 12 are not perfect. They have not arrived. They have been chosen and gifted by God with the authority of Jesus to go out and cast out demons and have authority over demons. And it's like, now look at ourselves. I mean, it's like God is going to give us responsibilities. He's going to give us gifts. And there's, a, there's an ideal of growing, maturing, developing your gift, but there's, there's not this imaginary line of, okay, you've you, you got to stay behind this line until you are ready you get ready by going, by, by doing. The power is not your authority or your... Okay, they had, they had finally developed mastery of the authority of Jesus. There's no mastery of the authority of Jesus. There's just the authority of Jesus. It's been given to these disciples, and they walk out with the authority. Now, here, here we go. What time we got? Ho, ho, ho. So they go out. It's great. Oh, boy, there's so many things to say here. Uh, two by two. Uh, one, that they're going to have a partner, one that requires a witness in Jewish culture, two or three witnesses. Here's what happened. Not just one guy showing up saying this is what happened. Two guys are showing up, and out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let a fact be established. That was Jewish law. So they're going to testify about Jesus. They're going to preach the gospel uh, and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. And basically what this is going to come down to here, as I read through this, is as I close this down, is they're going to have nothing prepared. They're going to have nothing except the bare necessities. They're going to have to trust Jesus and him sending them out on. This. It's like a practice test. You're going to go out and you don't have a you know, little bag of all the stuff you need for camping. Here's look at a little flashlight. I got my little kit here. I've got this. And if we need this, we got this. Let me use this to make water. We've got all this. It's like we've got, you're just going to go out because I told you to. Take nothing for your journey except a staff. And a staff could be used for walking. It'd be some kind of a flexible, uh, it'd be used for helping them walk. That'd be normal. They could be used for protection. Uh, one, one historical writer says they could be, put behind your back put your arms behind the back and help helps you 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 stride out walk a faster pace i never knew that i tried that during cross-country season i thought that would work uh but so they got a staff no bread no bag see i mean no bag You, you, you need a bag no don't you take a bag no money in your belts wear sandals because the road's hard, I mean, you, you you know you're going to want to protect your feet. I mean, that's logical. You don't want sandals, but not an extra tunic, just one one coat. You don't need to pack anything. You're going to have a staff. You're going to wear some shoes and wear a coat, and go. I give you authority. Wherever you, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. You're going to go somewhere, and if someone welcomes you, you're going to stay right there, and that's good enough for you. You're not going to move from house to house. You're not going to cause some kind of you know, competition. You're going to show up right there, stay in that house, do what you're to do, and then go to the next town. You're not going to be there long enough to be moving around. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. If someone treats you like they did at Nazareth and they don't accept this, now when the, in, in, in this time period, when the Jews would come back from Babylon, or they'd leave Egypt and cross back into the land of Israel, whenever they came back to the Holy Land, the custom was to keep the land that God gave them pure, is they'd stop and they would make sure all the dust was off of their feet, so they're not bringing Gentile dust from Babylon or Egypt, and if everybody did a lot of traveling, theoretically, you could eventually get a lot of pagan dust in the land, and no longer it's the pure land of Israel, it's all the nation's land or you know dust so and that's how picky they were don't don't even wash your feet before you come in here well the same thing when these guys shake the dust off their feet they 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 would have known the custom it wasn't like you see them there they probably had a custom or routine of doing it and they see them go to the edge of town and shake the dust off it's like yeah we're going back into israel territory and this is a pagan city and say we don't want your dust in our land it's a testimony just like they treated the pagan lands that town is now being treated by the apostles as a pagan city. Yeah, you are under the judgment of God, and we don't want this in our land. And they would see it. To us, it would be like, that's weird. But for them, it would be an actual testimony, an actual uh, statement. Um, they, they went out and preached that people should repent, which kind of gives you an impression of what possibly Jesus was talking about in Nazareth. Repent they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them now this is the first mention of oil being used it's also mentioned in the book of james but oil was used even that culture for uh you know relaxing muscles for healing uh so it would be kind of something that they would use culturally possibly but they would anoint the sick with people oil for for healing purposes uh and they had results now we got in this, this. This is one of those sandwiches in Mark. I've got to wrap this up. Sandwiches in Mark where he's telling a story, but in the middle of the story, he tells another story that, that relates to the story he's telling. So he's, they've just been sent out. So now they're out going. Now he stops and tells a story about John the Baptist, which we're going to talk about next week. But when he comes off that story in verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So they, they came back, they, they went on through Galilee too, and they came back and they told him all the success that they had had. And then he says, let's go away to a place alone and we're going to take a break. And that's where he's going to go. But now, between verse uh, 13 and, and verse 30, there's a story of John the Baptist, which is the ultimate story of, uh, of, uh, of discipleship. These guys are being sent out as disciples with the authority of Jesus And before you get too excited, understand what true discipleship is. Here's John the Baptist, a true disciple, a a, a true follower. He ends up dead. He ends up with his head on a platter. So you're going to go out with the authority. Jesus is going to send you out, just like John the Baptist was sent out as a forerunner of Christ. He ends up with his head on a platter. You're going to be sent out with authority over Satan. Don't expect... Much different. You're going to be in a similar situation, uh, so that may be part of the reason that story's there, is uh, is it kind of shows the price of discipleship. Which again, remember, the book of Mark is being written probably in Rome, 64 AD during Nero's persecution, and all these people are under great persecution in Rome, and so here's they're you know they're they're disciples, they're following God, uh, they've been sent out, but so is John the Baptist. And so was Jesus, and so John the Baptist here is kind of like a forerunner, even of what's to come in Jesus' ministry. Okay, I will quit with that. Pray, and we'll pick up. We got to go some detail. I was going to get into that tonight. Uh, you can see I got in here. That's why I put these two pages here: the Herity or the family tree of Herod. Uh, he's going to take uh, 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 one of the Herod. Uh, is going to take uh, Antipas. Is going to take Philip's wife. And there's two Philips there. One of them was one of the leaders there in the land, uh, in the, the, the capitalists in that area, but one of them was in Rome, and this was the one that was in Rome that he lost his wife Herodotus to Antipas because, uh, uh, in Rome, I'll talk about that next week, so we'll clear that out. There's so many Herods, there's four different Herods in the Bible, and so your casual reading of the Bible, Herod keeps dying and getting eaten by worms and killing babies in Jerusalem, but then he's still there listening to Paul preach in Caesarea in fifty seven. It's like I thought this guy was dead. I thought he got eaten by worms. I thought it's like I thought he killed the babies in Bethlehem and now seventy years, sixty years later he's still it's like, Well, there's the four generations of Herods. I'll pray, and and we're done. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into your word. We ask that we would find strength, guidance, encouragement from this. Again, we thank you for the spirit of God that lives within us, that speaks and makes the word clear to us. And we ask that we may walk in the light as you are in the light, that we would not walk back into the darkness, but would continue to go forward into the light and let you penetrate our hearts and reveal in in us the things that you want to change and, and bring in line with your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.